The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Well, let's read together Acts chapter number 2 and beginning in verse number 42. Would you follow along with me where the scriptures say this? It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In just a moment, Pastor Nick is going to come and bring a message to us entitled, Connection Runs Deep. Well, good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Doing good. All right. Yeah, we got some folks who are awake, excited. How many of you this week, you had to go back to work and it was like dragging yourself in after having some time off? Yeah, that wasn't me at all. just want to throw that out there. I was excited. Yeah, right. I like having time off. It's nice. Well, welcome to Ambassador Baptist Church as we kick off another semester of Connection Group Bible Studies. Uh, last semester at the end of the year was just phenomenal. We had an exciting semester. We saw God do uh, really some amazing things. And I'm praying that this semester he does that and he does exceedingly abundantly above what he did last semester. And I'm excited to see what he does. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But before we do, let's look into the Word of God in Acts chapter number 2. Our text this morning uh, really, to me, lays out the vision that we have for our Connection Group Bible studies. If you were to come up to me and you were to ask me, hey, Pastor Nick, what do you want our Connection Groups at Ambassador to look like? I would take you straight to Acts chapter number 2. I think these verses lay a great picture and they give a great model uh, for what it looks like when the Holy Spirit is working through a church and when a church is overwhelmed by the love of Christ. And really these verses kind of help give us the vision for what we want to see happen in our Connection Group Bible studies. And as we look into our text this morning, the theme for this morning's message is simple. It's just this, deep relationships stem from deep commitment based on sacrificial love. Deep commitments stem from deep, or excuse me, deep relationships stem from deep commitment based on sacrificial love. I mean, you see this in marriage, right? In marriage, two people love each other, and then they commit to each other because of their love. And then the more their love grows, the deeper that relationship grows, and the more trust takes place, and the deeper that relationship will go. Conversely, if you have two people who get into a relationship based off of self-love, not sacrificial love, not true love for the other person, commitment will tend to wane. And the relationship will never go as deep as it could because it did not grow from a place of deep commitment based on love. Christ is the ultimate example of this. That's why he calls the church his bride. He loved the church and his commitment was so deep for the church that he actually laid down his life for it and now he wants us to have a deeper relationship with him. So as we look at the early church this morning, we're going to see several aspects of this church that will lead us into a deep connection with Christ and ultimately with each other. First of all, we see that the early church, they had a relentless devotion, not a casual indifference. This early church, they had a relentless devotion, not a casual indifference. Look at verse number 42 of our text. The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly. If you're to look up this phrase, continued steadfastly, 
in the Bible, in the original language, uh, here what it means is it means to be devoted or to be constant to one. To be devoted or to be constant to one. When someone says that they're devoted to their spouse or they're devoted to a cause, you don't really get the picture of the idea um, that they're just doing it because they have to or they're doing it out of duty. You get the idea when someone says, I'm devoted to this thing, I'm devoted to this person, you get the idea that there's just this deep love and affection that they have for whatever it is that they're devoted to. In this early church, they had a relentless devotion, not a casual indifference. They had a relentless devotion to Christ, and because they had a relentless devotion to Christ, they had a relentless devotion to his body, to the local church. There was a relentless devotion. Christ had given this church everything, and many of them would have saw the miracles. Many of them would have seen or known that Christ had died for them, and their lives had been, be cha- had been changed because Christ had given them everything, and because Christ had given them everything, they were fully devoted to him, and because they were fully devoted to him, they were fully devoted to each other. They continued steadfastly. They were devoted. There was a relentless devotion. In our consumer society, it's so easy to pick the flavor or the stripe of the church we like based off the programs or the worship style or you name it. I mean, you can, I mean, we live in Fresno. There's tons of churches. You can pick the flavor and the style and the stripe of church that you want. But the truth is, when we make decisions based off of that, really we're only being devoted to ourselves because it's about what we want. It's not about what Christ wants. This early church was completely devoted to each other because of what Christ had done for them. There was not this American idea that church is all about me and I get to go because I want to get stuff out of it and it's just going to go and make me feel good. No, no, no. They were relentlessly devoted because Christ had given them everything. Christ had shown them how to live. Christ had given them everything. This isn't something that we do just because of duty. We do it because we are so in love with Jesus that he gives, that he is, that I give him his, and his body my complete devotion. They had a relentless devotion to Christ and his church. The early church didn't really treat each other with casual indifference. Church to them wasn't optional. Interacting with the people in their church, it wasn't like, hey, yeah, okay. No, they were relentlessly devoted to each other. They loved each other. Why? Because they recognized we're the body of Christ. We're all in this together. They were devoted, not like we're sometimes devoted to our New Year's resolutions. How many of you have a New Year's resolution that hasn't been so resolved so far this year? It wasn't that kind of devotion. They were devoted to the church like we're devoted to eating and breathing air. Most of us don't really have to think about breathing. It just naturally happens. And to this church, they were so devoted to Christ that being devoted to each other was as natural as breathing air. You see, we're really good at looking out for ourselves and looking out for number one and making sure we take care of our own selves and our own bodies. But let me ask you this. What about the body of Christ? Are we relentlessly devoted, or is, this, is there this kind of casual indifference? Like, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. The early church was relentlessly devoted like their lives depended on it, because honestly, it did. I mean, you read the next few chapters of the book of Acts, and you see the heavy persecution these people were facing. To be a Christian in this day and age wasn't easy. It wasn't the cool thing to do. It wasn't the comfortable thing to do. They had to be relentlessly devoted to each other because that's all they had. And when I think about that, I kind of think about Christianity in the world at large. Christianity last year suffered more persecution than we ever have at any given time in history. But we kind of live in this American bubble where we can be casually indifferent to church and it doesn't matter. 
And I'm here to call us today to a relentless devotion to Christ and his church. A relentless devotion that doesn't make sense. It doesn't always fit the American dream or the American consumer mentality. But it is what Christ wants to do in and through us. And it is what he has done for us. Mark Deaver, a pastor in uh, the New England area, said this. The New Testament assumes that all Christians commit deeply to a local church in ways that are meaningful and sometimes painful and quite deliberate. When you read through the New Testament and you look at these Christians, you, you don't get the idea that church was just this optional kind of indifferent thing. Yeah, we do it when it's convenient. No, they had a relentless devotion because Christ had given them everything. Paul gives us a picture of this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says that there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. As members of the body, there ought to be this devotion to each other and this care for one another. He goes on and says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. So when one of us is hurting and when one of us is suffering, the natural response of a body is to run to the aid of that part that's suffering. When you stub your toe in the middle of the night, your whole body reacts. And when one member's hurting, the church is supposed to come around and come to that person and come to their aid. Whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Whether one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. When one member's doing well and when one member's being honored, all of us as a church should not respond in jealousy, but we should respond with excitement and rejoice for them. Why? Because we're all a part of the same body. All members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members and in particular. You can't walk away from verses like this and just be indifferent about it. We can't even really live these out unless it's coming from a sincere place of just overwhelming devotion to Christ. Paul gives the Corinthians another encouragement in uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, be devoted. He gives us a picture of this again in Romans chapter number 12, verses 13 through 18, says this, distributing to the necessity of the saints. So if somebody has a need, we jump to meet that need. Give in to hospitality. Get this, bless them which persecute you. He's talking to a church that lives in Rome that's under the reign of Nero, where they're literally being martyred left and right, crucified left and right, and Paul goes against every human inclination and says, Bless them which persecute you. Why? Because you have the love of Jesus inside of you. And as a church, there should be this relentless devotion. Bless them which persecute you and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that do weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. He says, be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense no man evil for evil. Boy, we don't like doing that, do we? When someone does evil for me, I want my pound of flesh. When somebody cuts me off in traffic, I want to get in front of them and cut them off and turn on my, you know, windshield wiper cleaner so it sprays their car behind me, right? No, but, but Paul, he's, he's encouraging us. He says, recompense no man evil for evil. Why? Because you have the spirit of Christ in you, and he loves you, and he wants that love to flow through you. There ought to be this relentless devotion. He said, provide things honest in the sight of all men. I love this last verse. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. So here, he's telling this church of Rome who's undergoing heavy persecution. He spends 11 chapters in this book telling them the gospel, giving them the gospel, reminding them how they're saved. And at the beginning of Romans 12, he reminds them, you are renewed. Be renewed in the truths of the gospel. And he says at the end of the chapter, what is this going to look like? 
as much as is possible, with everything within you, live at peace with all men. Every ounce of our being ought to go to being relentlessly devoted to Christ's church, to his body, to each other. But it's easy, right, to get so caught up with so many different things and to get so busy that we don't allow any time for our relationships, our connection to actually run deep. We put so many things and so many things in our life and all we have left is the casual indifference to give to Christ's church. That's why we're big believers in being plugged into a connection group Bible study because it gives us a chance to be relentlessly devoted to one another. They give us an opportunity for our connection to grow deeper. And if our connection is going to run deep this year, it has to come from a place of relentless devotion. Deep relationships stem from deep commitment based on sacrificial love. But what happened as they devoted themselves to the Bible and to each other? What happened in this early church as they began and they continued with this steadfastness, with this relentless devotion, not the casual indifference, but this relentless devotion? What happened? Well, look at verse number 43. The Bible says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Fear came upon every soul. Now, the word fear in this verse in the original language means reverence. It's not like they were scared and running and hiding. No, there was this deep reverence that came over them. There was this awe, this sense of wonder. Often this word is translated as awe. You could say awe came upon every soul. And if our connection is going to run deep in the year 2017, there has to, yes, be a relentless devotion, but also there has to be a heartfelt affection, not bored formality. There was something different that was happening in this tiny, fragile church. There was something going on that the world couldn't explain. And it was awe. This heartfelt affection that was overwhelmed for everything that God had done. You see, awe overwhelms the mind to get to our heart. It has to take in the mind first. Don't misunderstand. No feelings or emotion lead to real joy or life if it's not based on truth about you and about God. Romans 10 makes that very clear. However, too many of us settle for rehearsing the same truths over and over again and singing and in preaching and discussing without expecting to be moved by God again. I mean, have we gotten used to the fact that the creator of the universe died for us? Have we gotten used to the fact that God is working in our midst? I mean, when we show, often we show these baptism videos or these new members videos, and you hear stories about how God is working in people's lives here at the Ambassador Baptist Church. Have we gotten used to that? Or is there this heartfelt affection, this awe for God that says God is moving in our church? God is working in our midst. Marshall Siegel said this, Christianity is not simply about getting the truth right, but about having the truth capture our hearts. I love what he goes on to say. He says, if we are not fascinated with Christ, we can hardly claim to know him. This church, this, this fear, this awe came upon every soul. They were overwhelmed with who God was. They were overwhelmed with everything that he had done for them. I'm going to ask Sarah. She's going to come up. She's going to help me illustrate this next thought. Um, I like having her come up. She's fun. Now, if you've been married, you know weddings are crazy. They are stressful. They are a pain. You can stand right here, sweetheart. 
there's planning, there's organizing, there's communicating, uh, people flying in, and all kinds of stuff that goes on, and it's stressful. I remember the weeks before our wedding, it was nuts. I just, in my flesh, I wanted to knock somebody out, but I was like, I'm getting married, so it's all going to be worth it. Most of us know wedding can be, can be stressful, but something interesting happens. At the ceremony, when two people are up there, and they're standing up there, they're giving their vows, all of that fades away, doesn't it? I mean, she's crying, her parents are crying, my mom's crying, everybody's crying, everybody's so excited. Why? Because we're forming, we're making our love formal, we're committing each other to ourselves and to our love. And I want you to imagine, everybody's here, you're all crying, you're all going, oh, I'm get sad, I'm getting married, it's so precious. And she's crying, and it's, it's sad, the preacher, he's here crying, and I'm up here, and I'm like, Whew. Hi, Nick. Take you, Sarah. To be my lawfully wedded life, to have and to hold, and sickness now. You'd say, Nick, there's something wrong with you, pal. <laughs> this woman is saying, I will be your wife. I will give my life to you. Why are you so bored? Thanks, babe. You can sit down. <laughs> she hates it when I do that, but I love it. Um, you would say, Nick, there, you, you, this is not a moment where you should be bored. But church, I want to challenge us with this thought. How often do we get bored with the fact that we're the bride of Christ? Is church just a formality that we go through? Or is there this heartfelt affection, this overwhelming sense of awe that I get to be a part of the body of Christ? Jesus says, I am his bride. He died for me. He gave everything to me. And in this church in Acts, and so often in our midst, we see it all the time. People are just overwhelmed by what God does for them. This week, we're putting a ton of these testimony videos on our Facebook just to remind us of how good God is and the fact that He is working in our hearts and He is working in our midst. When it comes time to go to your Connection Group Bible study, and it's two-thirds of the way through the semester, and you're tired and you're worn out, and the kids are being little angels, right? Yeah, right. Um, And you're just stressed. In those moments, is it just a bored formality? Or is there something deep down inside of you that says, yes, life is crazy. Yes, the kids are being awful, but I get to be a part of the body of Christ. I get to go meet with my connection group Bible study. We're relentlessly devoted to each other. Is there going to be that sense of awe that creeps into your heart? And I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit in you wants there to be. He's creating that sense of awe, but so often we drown it out. I love what Deuteronomy 10.21 says. It says, He is thy praise. He is thy God. That he hath done for thee these great and terrible. Now that word terrible doesn't mean bad. It means like awe-inspiring. It has the same idea as fear here. He has done these wonderful and awe-inspiring things which thine eyes have seen. God has done so many wonderful things in all of our lives. And because of that, he ought to be our praise. He is our God. He has done so many wonderful things for us. He saved us. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Jesus said, I came to die for you. I was punished for your sins so that you could be restored to the Father. Is there a sense of awe that grips your heart? Is there this heartfelt connection that you are a part of the body of Christ? Awe came upon these New Testament believers, and it drove their connection deeper. And as our connection runs deep in 2017, let's not lose that heartfelt connection. Let's not get bored with who God is. Let's not let familiarity breed contempt in our hearts and our lives. Let's be 
Well, let's allow our hearts, because we have to allow this to happen. Let's allow it to happen over and over and over again. And each new day where we get to wake up and breathe breath and we get to live in the country we do, let's be overwhelmed by how good God is to us. As their devotion grew, as their awe grew, their connection ran deeper. But we also see, number three, yes, there was a relentless devotion. There was a heartfelt connection also. There was a sacrificial generosity, not a selfish ambition. The Christians in that church were captured by a vibrant, dynamic, and personal vision of God, but that did not keep them from focusing on one another. Oftentimes, there's this false dynamic like, are we going to be a church that glorifies God, or are we going to be a church that reaches people? As if there were a difference. This church, they were so overwhelmed by God that they wanted to reach out, that they wanted to be sacrificially generous, that they wanted to be intentional and be even crazy about meeting the church's needs. They were sacrificing for their brethren. They did not have to choose between being a church that goes hard after God seated in heaven and a church dedicating the needs of those here on this earth. You see, when there is that relentless devotion and when there is that that affection and that overwhelming awe of God, there's going to be a sacrificial generosity, not selfish ambition. Look at verse number 44 and 45. The Bible says, And all that believed were together, and they had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man hath need. Somebody had a need? Okay. I got something extra. I'll sell it to meet that need. I'm going to be sacrificially generous to take care of the body of Christ. You see, Christianity does not isolate believers to focus exclusively on their own relationship with Jesus. But what it does do is it makes each believer another vital vein in the body of Christ. Each of them caring what others need from God to the one in need. So it's like this. I'm here, and I'm receiving God's grace, and he's just pouring it out, and I'm receiving it, and I'm receiving it. God doesn't want me just to be a reservoir. He wants that to be a conduit. So God's giving me this grace, and all of a sudden there's somebody over here, and they have a need. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn the grace faucet on them, and here's some of God's grace. God is giving us his grace, and he's taking care of our needs so that we can help meet each other's needs, so that we can be sacrificially generous to one another. This early church, they weren't in it for themselves. They were in it for each other. They were not in it for what they could get out of it, but what they could put into it. Again, I know this flies in the face of everything American culture says about church. And I'm sorry, but I feel like this is something that has to be constantly just pushed against. Church isn't about us. It's not about what we can get out of it. God has given us his grace so that we could pour it into other people's. It's not about what we can get out of it, but what we can put into it. They did not limit how they served based on their preferences. They just served wherever there was a need. They did not hold tightly to their possessions. They liberally gave so that everyone's needs could be met. I've, I've grown up in church and in ministry, and my dad was a pastor for many years, and growing up in ministry, you see the good, and you see sometimes the ugly. I remember there would be times when people would come, and they would say, man, I feel like I'm gifted to teach. Um, okay, here's a kid's class. Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to teach kids. In it for themselves, not in it for others. I, I, I've had people say, well, I only give when I really feel like it. I'm sure glad Christ didn't only give when he felt like it. There was this sacrificial generosity that said, I'm going to give. 
and I'm going to give liberally. I'm going to give to the point where the onlooking world thinks that doesn't even make sense. We can't be in this thing for our own ambition. When, when Christ is working in us, it's not going to be about us or what people think or how we're perceived. It's going to be about his glory, and it's going to be about taking care of the church. It's going to be about meeting the needs in the community. It's going to look a lot, to be honest with you, like the cross. Sacrificial giving so that others can have life. I mean, this New Testament church, get it, they were so secure in God's promises. God promises to meet all of our needs, Matthew 6. They were so secure in the promises of God that they could just let go of everything so that they could help one another. To the watching world, it was unexplainably selfless and foolishly generous. But as it happened later in Macedonia, in the severe tests of their affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Whenever joy, true Holy Spirit-filled joy, sees a need, it's going to look like compassion and sacrifice. Whenever joy is confronted with a need, there's going to be compassion and sacrifice. Why? Because that's the Spirit of Christ working in and through us. God has given each of us grace that was not meant to end with us, but to extend to someone else. But without selfless and sacrificial compassion, grace ends up in storage, not in action. 1 Peter 4.10 nails it on the head. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given us so much. And he wants us to be conduits of that grace. He wants us to have a sacrificial generosity. The early church had a deep connection with each other because they were sacrificially generous. And they were sacrificially generous because they had a sacrificially generous Savior whose Holy Spirit was working in them. This is not a grace for varsity Christians. This is just the natural response for every Christian who is in love with and regularly reminded of what Christ has done for them. A Christian who is yielding to the Holy Spirit will be a sacrificially generous Christian with our finances, with our time, with our talents, with anything that God has given us. We'll hold it with open hands that just willingly give it, just like we see here in the book of Acts. Deep relationships stem from a deep commitment that was based on sacrificial love. Now lastly, how did this all culminate? So we see the relentless devotion, we see the awe and the the heartfelt affection, and we see the the sacrificial generosity they have. What does this all look like? How does this all culminate? We'll look at verse number 47. The Bible says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added daily such as should be saved. All of this culminated, the joy, the sacrifice, the awe, how it all culminated in a contagious joy, not secluded cliques. When the people are so in love with Jesus, their devotion, their affection, and their compassion will become irresistibly contagious. They had favor with all people. The Lord was adding to them. There was something contagious about this church. People, they, they were drawn to it. They were like a magnet that people were drawn to. Not because they were anything special, not because they had it all figured out, not because they did everything just right but because God was working in them and through them, because they had that relentless devotion for each other, because they were sacrificial towards each other, because they were so overwhelmed with God, people had to be a part. 
Now, we don't measure church strictly in numbers, strictly in numbers, because we know God, only God gives the growth. But we should measure ourselves in part by whether or not he's giving any growth at all. One of the things I love about ambassadors on a regular basis, new people coming in, new people being saved, new people being discipled, new people getting baptized. If our Christian community is committed, but it's not compelling anyone, maybe we should ask some questions about what we're actually committed to. This wasn't something that the church had to produce and work at, and I think we should work at it. I think we should have greeters and ushers and people to welcome everybody in. One of the things I love about our church is when new people come, over and over, the church was so friendly. They made me feel so welcome. I just walked in, I felt like I was part of a family. That's awesome. And yes, we want to do our part with having greeters and ushers and all that, but I really believe deep in my heart it's because there's this contagion. Working in people's hearts, the Holy Spirit producing something that can't be explained, but it just draws men to it. Why? Because Christ says, when I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. It's not them coming to us. It's them coming to Christ in us, that they see in us. I love hearing stories about people getting invited to a connection group for the first time. Somebody in a connection group, they invite their neighbor, they invite their coworker, they come to that group, and they sense that contagious joy, and then they become part of a ch- the church. I love hearing stories about that. It happens all the time. Why? Because our church and our connection groups, there's this contagious joy that is in there as the Holy Spirit works. I know sometimes it can be tough. You have a group, and you click really well, and you've been this group forever, and you get along really well. And sometimes it can, there can be that sense of, I don't know, like new people, they might make it awkward. And newsflash, sometimes that happens. That's okay. In my connection group right now, we have some people new to our group. We have some people new to connection groups in general. And some days it's really awkward. I am the king of awkward. If you come over to my house and you're not a talkative person and I don't really know you very well, it's probably going to be like, so how's it going? Where do you work? Oh, I work at so-and-so. Great. I work at the church. Yeah, I know. I was just there. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, this is awkward. <laughs> but that's okay. Why? Because when Christ is working through us, there's going to be this contagious joy, this sense that I'm drawn to this place because God is working there. I'm drawn to this place because the Holy Spirit is working. There is this contagious joy. It doesn't become the secluded cliques like it's about us four no more. I've heard about some groups that they'll literally keep an empty chair in their group because like this chair is for the new people that we're praying for. I've heard of groups that are literally praying that God would bring new people into the group. That's awesome. That's what ultimately it's all about. God adding so that more people can glorify him. Every single church in the world has a mission statement directly from God himself. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in, them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teach them to observe whatever I've commanded you. God didn't just mean some of us to make disciples and some of us to do other ministry. He's called all of us to make disciples. Every Christian is called to win the lost and build them into Christian community. And that's why we have our connection groups, so they can give us an environment and they can give us a space and they can carve out time and busy schedules so that we can do this, so that we can have a space where we can be relentlessly devoted and that we have a space where we can experience that heartfelt affection and sacrificial generosity so that we can have a place where we can be what God wants us to be. As we begin this new year, look for questions to uncover weakness or blind spots in your own life. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at a pastor. Don't look at your connection leader. Look in your own heart. Look in your own life. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, Lord, 
Is there an area of my life where I'm not demonstrating that awe, that heartfelt affection? Is there an area of my life where I've gotten used to you? Is there an area of my life where maybe I'm being stingy and I'm not being sacrificially generous? Holy Spirit, reveal that to me. I would challenge all of us to pray what 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says. It says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards one another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. I would encourage all of us to pray, Lord, would you make my love to abound towards my church and towards my community like you love my church and my community? Lord, would you help me to see the people in my church as your child? I'm reading a book on marriage right now, and the author was challenging with this thought. He said, do you look at your spouse as God's child? Do you look at your spouse as God's daughter? I was like, whoa. Here's the truth. We're all God's children. Pray, Lord, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to see my church the way you see them. God intends to make everyone, every genuine expression of true love, joy, and worship contagious. I love it when people come to the church and they just say, man, the worship was awesome. There was just something different and unique about it. I could really sense the Holy Spirit's presence. When people come and they say, man, the preaching, I I felt like that guy was like reading my life. He knew exactly what was going on. That's not him. That's the Holy Spirit working. As you get with your group this week, all of our groups are going to have kind of a little bit of an introduction talking about what they're doing. Ask your group these questions. Ask your group, how can we grow deeper in our connection this year by having a relentless devotion, not a casual indifference? Ask your group. Say, I'm not the leader. Ask them anyway. (laughs) Group, are we ever indifferent about this thing? Or is there always this relentless devotion? Ask your group. Group, how can we have more of a heartfelt affection, not just a board formality? Ask your group, are we just going through the motions of this thing? Or is this really a genuine sense of awe for what God is doing in our lives? Ask your group, Hey, how can we be more sacrificially generous? How can we give more? How can we give up more so that other people's needs can be met? Group, how can we do this? And I I, I promise you, as you ask your group these questions and as you ask yourself these questions, the Holy Spirit's going to begin to start speaking to you. And every single one of us have this little thing inside of us called an internal lawyer that's going to argue with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to try and justify why you're not doing it. No no offense to the lawyers in the room. Um, And you just got to listen to the Holy Spirit and not that inner lawyer. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he convicts and as he shows you areas and blind spots in your own heart and in your own life. Get with your group. Ask your group these hard questions and say, how can we grow deeper into our connection? How can our connection run deeper in the year 2017? How can we make a bigger difference than we ever have before? And I promise you, as you ask those questions and you submit to the Holy Spirit, he's going to do something in your heart and your life that you never even or asked of or believed, and he's going to work in ways you never could have imagined, and he's going to do some awesome things in and through you. Why? Because his word says he will. Because we see him doing it in his word. We can look at the past semester that we had and believe God's going to do some amazing things. Look what he did then. Look at what he's done over the life of the Ambassador Baptist Church. Look how he's working in that person's life. He can work in our lives just like that. Yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Ask these tough questions. Be honest. But yeah, but then step out in faith. Believe that this is the moment God has for us. It's not a proud thing. It's not an arrogant thing, but this is the moment God has for us, and I'm the person for this moment. Group, let's get together and say, this is our time to obey God and to follow his leading and to follow his calling, and let's step out by faith and see what he does this year. Don't go through the motions of another connection group. I've been doing them for almost six years now. It's going to be really easy just to go through the motions. Okay, group, 
we're all together, we've done this thing, we got it under control. Yeah, don't, don't go through the motions. Let me, let me beg you, don't go through the motions. Don't be bored with it. Don't be to it. Part of the body of Christ. That should excite us. That should overwhelm us. That should make us so pumped to go to church and so pumped to go to connection groups and so pumped to see what God does because we get to be co-laborers with the creator of the universe. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. That should excite us. That should awake us out of this, this apathy that sometimes can creep in and this boredom that can sometimes set in and this familiarity with it all. Just pray and get together with your group and say, God, would you make this the best semester our Connection Group Bible study has ever had? And I promise you, as you do that, he will do some awesome things for your group. I know there's some groups right now, and they have some huge prayer requests that they're going through. Groups right now, they really want to see God use them in some amazing ways. I know there's some groups right now who really want to see some marriages restored. Let's make this the year that we, by faith, step out into what God has for us, and that we, by faith, believe that God can and wants to do great things for us and in and through our lives. Let's be a church that looks a lot like the church we see in Acts, because ultimately this church looks like Jesus. Not because they had it all figured out but because they're just following Jesus. They're just in love with Jesus. I know there's going to be moments in your group where it's just like, I, I can remember last semester, it was halfway through and everybody came and everybody was tired. Everybody was stressed out. Nobody wanted to be there, but they all came. And we went through the lesson and I'll just be honest with you, it stunk. <laughs> it was just, everybody's just stressed and burdens. And at the end of the group, after we went to the lesson, I said, all right, stand up in a circle. I don't normally do the whole stand in a circle and hold hands thing because that's awkward. But I was like, we need to get out of this. And we just all stood up, we held hands, and we just prayed. And you know what? We prayed, we got real with God, we told God where we were, and God did something special in that moment. Lightning didn't come down. We still had the same struggles that we were facing. But God met us there. And church, let me encourage you. Let's let this be the semester that God meets us in our groups. Let's let this be the semester where we're so overwhelmed by how God loved us that we will be relentlessly devoted to God and his church. Relentlessly devoted to each other. You're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. You are God's child. I should want to be relentlessly devoted. Let there be this heart uh, uh, affection, this sense of awe and wonder. Let's be sacrificially generous. I love hearing stories about how Connection groups, take up offerings for somebody. It happens all the time. It would blow you away how often it happens. Let this be the semester that God does something amazing in and through our groups. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.